In the final part of our dialogue with James Barris, the world expert on joy, he turns to how we can use these beautiful emotions of love and joy and compassion that we've cultivated to respond more hopefully and helpfully to the great challenges of our time. Welcome to Deep Transformation, Self, Society, Spirit, life-enhancing, paradigm-rattling conversations with cutting-edge thinkers, contemplatives, and activists with Dr. Roger Walsh and John Dupuy. Join us in the evolutionary fast lane as we take a deep dive into transformational practice, peak experience, profound understanding, powerful contribution. One of the themes, uh, there are so many beautiful themes in what you're sharing, James, and one of them has been that it's really crucial to be willing to experiment with going into some of the challenging places, some of the places where we which were where we previously got hurt or were pained or got scared. And something which really brought this home to me in a very powerful way was, you know, my training in psych in psychology as a there's a classic experiment in which you put a rat in a in a box and electrify one half of the box, and the rat very quickly learns not to not to get into the electrified half of the box. But then, if you turn the electricity off, the rat will spend the rest of its life in the one half of the box, mm-hmm. and that's what we do with our lives. Mm-hmm. We get scared, and then we spend the rest of our lives avoiding that, un without knowing that when we avoid painful experiences, we strengthen our conditioning and aversion to them. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, it can, it's, it's challenging, it's scary at first to move towards the fearful, particularly if we don't know that that's healthy and healing and liberating to, to open to what's painful. And you made the point, you know, don't suffer, don't grieve alone. And that's a lot of psychotherapy or all meditation teaching is simply providing the support and and comfort and and company for people to to move into what was formerly painful and make the discovery from themselves that oh my god when i open to this it actually starts to unravel and release mm-hmm. yeah beautiful yeah and it, it's a paradox that this takes a lot of courage yeah joy and awakening, it takes a lot of courage to go into those scary places. Until you do, you're spending your energy, whether you realize it or not, avoiding. But if you do find the courage or see that that's really where it's at, then there's something so beautiful on the other side. But usually fear is what you know, is is the main thing, like, you know, love is letting go of fear. You remember that old, that book by Jerry Jampolsky, love is letting go of fear. But fear is such a powerful, powerful mechanism. But it's really the way through. I love Jack, Jack Cornfield's simple way of putting it. He says, you know, fear, when we're moving from the, from the known to the unknown, 
of course there's going to be fear there. And he's saying, but that, that unless it's danger, this is the doorway through. And he, he puts it this way. He says, fear is really saying about to grow, <laughs> about to grow. Okay, I'm on the edge of my my comfort zone. And of course, if you're going to be getting out of your comfort zone, it's going to be uncomfortable by definition. But that's where the the beauty is when we see not only, oh, I can do this. We get some some muscles in our courage, our heart, which is comes from the same word as 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 courage, the the derivation of kur from the heart, that I have the capacity to do this. And then I discover something much bigger than I ever thought was possible. Yeah, yeah, beautiful. Mm. And yet, it's amazing how how powerful fear is. You know, you and I have been practicing for for decades, and I'm still humbled repeatedly by my own my own fear and aversion to it. Uh, you know, certainly it's lessened dramatically, and the amount of fear and the aversion to it has has lessened, but it's still you know it still can be humbling at times, and the hence the importance as you pointed out of having companionship on this. Exactly, it's all it's when 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 we when we're stuck, a helping hand, you know, you've got a friend makes all the difference. That's why the Buddha said, "Good friends are the whole of the holy life." We can't do it by ourselves, and it's a grave misunderstanding to think we can or should, that it's really healthy, a sign of health to be able to reach out when we need it. And those re- those roles will reverse probably many times, so not to get stuck in what Ramdas calls helper prison. Oh yes, I'll be the helper, because you're going to be the helpee uh, at, at some point. So everybody benefits from that. But we we can't do it alone. And I love what you just said that reaching out for support is a is a reflection of health because we we have it wired up in our culture. No, if I need need help, I'm it's a sign of weakness of some kind. And to realize that that it's actually our inhibitions about reaching out for help. That's the problem. Yeah, it can cause a, a huge shift. And I worked with alcoholics and addicts for many years. And that first step is going, I can't do this by myself. That becomes your group, your people, your friends, your God. It, it just shifts shifts things greatly just mm-hmm. to reach out. And I've been guilty a lot of not doing that. So that's a big, big, big lesson for me. Mm-hmm. Getting it. Yeah, I used to feel many years ago, I went through a, a, a process It was rebirthing. You remember rebirthing Leonard Orr and you go through these heavy duty breath work and it was good. And, and I did a number of sessions and they used to have affirmations in, in that as well. And I, I saw, I saw something in me that, that has been, you know, very, very important ever since I saw that I needed to, in my own mind, I needed to do it 
show that I could do it on my own. I was I could be tough and not need anybody. And I'd need to collapse and be completely helpless before I'd reach out, right? And then at some point over the course of these sessions, I saw, oh, I'm strong. I am. I have capacities. I'm relatively self-sufficient. And it's a sign of strength to reach out when I need to before I collapse. And that changed everything from you know both ends of the spectrum neither of which was serving me so well to oh i'm capable and it's healthy to reach out wow and you point out in your book james that not only we can't do it by ourselves but we don't do it just for ourselves and that any healing that we do on ourselves, any cultivation of positive qualities of love, of joy, of compassion, of anything is a service to others. And you have this beautiful line in, in your, with which you finish the introduction to your book, Awakening Joy, 10 Steps to Happiness, which you just told us 10 steps. Finding more joy in your life will have rippling effects that can touch everyone you know and make a real difference in the world. And it begins with making the choice to be happy. So beautiful. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> That's fortunate. That's what it's all about. You know, that, going back to your saying how we think, oh, it's narcissistic to, to go for happiness for myself. But really, it's a gift to everybody around. Your own well-being, you know, are you served by somebody who's who's living in fear or despair and just saying, woe is me and oh, this world is going down the tubes. You might feel compassion for them, but it's certainly not going to uplift you. But when you're around somebody who is just expressing their love and you can feel it and you can feel their ease or their, their goodness, their kindness, it's contagious. That's what mirror neurons are all about. It's contagious. And it's like we said before, it's just love finding itself. So what a gift that you can be for everybody else. Yeah. And that's been one of the really remarkable discoveries of social science in the last couple of decades, the way in which emotions and states of mind radiate out through our social network and to even to people we don't have contact with. Mm. And so that if, and this is hardcore science, you know, if you become significantly happier yourself, then it will touch and uplift not only your friends, but their friends and the friends of their friends. I mean, you can actually, the research can actually trace it out three degrees of, of separation, which is extraordinary to think that our emotional states ripple through our social networks to touch people we don't even know. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And uh, I, I know those studies and I see everything in, in terms of energy and we're all, we're all energy systems. I, I, in my mind, I think that we're all transmitter receiver energy units of life. And we're always, we're sending out, we're taking in and we're just affected by the energy around us and we affect the energy around us as well. And so your rippling out of positive energy 
can't help but affect those. Well, some people, it depends. If their wall is up, then they won't feel it. But if they're open to positive energy, it can it can adjust the frequency that they're operating as well. That's I remember going to see the Dalai Lama once. And I, I've seen him a number of times, but I remember this one particular time. I was in a kind of funky mood and just, okay, we're going to see the Dalai Lama. And I go in there and like, you know, 10 minutes there, I'm like, whoa, I'm feeling pretty good. You know, I don't know what I was caught in before, but that energy field was so strong that it just overrode everything in here. And that's how we can be for each other. We can be sending out and be an energy field that that can re recalibrate and override the frequency of somebody who's in fear. Yeah. And, and I might add that when we have these moments, like we're, we're discussing here, we have these breakthroughs, and we can be very diligent practitioners and try to do the right thing and study all these things. But when it actually happens, there's a feeling that it's grace, that we're left humbled by the experiments. It's like, hey, I've meditated for two hours every day for six years, and God damn it, I deserve it. You know, I'm so enlightened. It's not like that at all. You know, it, it just seems like there's uh, we're being gifted from a higher source than ourselves, and it leaves us deeply humbled and deeply connected to everyone life if, if i can experience this then my dog can experience i mean everyone can experience this 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 great grace that's the word it's a grace mm -hmm. it's beautiful thank you yeah. james you've been teaching the awakening joy course i think for 20 years i think you started around 2003 mm -hmm. and so you've had two decades of working with thousands of people around the planet cultivating joy i mean what a great job description <laughs> you've created for yourself i want to ask you a question that i asked about your general uh, general contemplative teaching i want to ask it specifically about the cultivating joy work what surprised you most here hmm. um <laughs> sometimes I, 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 the thing that surprises me most is <laughs> how everybody doesn't see doesn't see it the way I see <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah, that, <that's> <laughs> that how you know it this is just on a personal level it just has made so much sense to look for the good and it's so it's so elusive to uh, to so many people that how easy it is to get caught in just seeing what's wrong and and it's such a simple mm, shift of perspective that makes all the difference in the world and how hard it is for for so many and how how stuck people can get in their in their beliefs so that that's kind of like an ongoing continual amazement. Let me think what else surprised me. What's coming to my mind is nothing surprises me. 
that it's uh, I'm in I'm I maybe I'm in a continual state of amazement in which nothing surprises me. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> which sounds wonderful. <laughs> and now let me switch the lens and ask. Okay, twenty years, thousands of of people's lives touched by your your course and your book. Tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands by your book, Awakening Joy. What in the courses when you're working with people? What have been the most life changing discoveries that people make? Well, I, I guess you know we've been saying it a few times before, but just that a shift of perspective, a simple shift of perspective, is is transformative, yeah. and that yeah, all it takes is seeing things in a different way, and seeing how the mind can get stuck for a lifetime with a particular belief system or uh, reality and that there can be an illumination and a, a tremendous transformation that sometimes is very, very dramatic. And more often you get a glimpse that is quite earth shaking and then you practice it over time but once you're facing in a certain direction, in the right direction, that as long as you stay connected to your intention to keep facing in that direction, no matter what, no matter even if there's, there's things along the way that, that make you forget or that, you're, uh, that you get lost for a while, as long as you stay committed to facing in, in the right direction and have good friends, you are, you are going to continue that beautiful unfolding. But that until then, until you see for yourself, you're, you're caught, you're caught in your prison, which is a, you know, a, a, a cause for deep compassion. Forgive them, they know not what they do. And that somehow I've been blessed with, with being able to help people see that. And that, you know, I've been blessed to receive my own guidance and teachings and support so that, you know, I, I, I pass it on out of gratitude and, and true humility because it's not me doing anything. It's just, just life using me well. Maybe going back to when you asked about what's what's most amazing, most amazing that somehow little Jamie from Queens, who is shy and insecure and didn't like himself, is teaching awakening joy. That's pretty <laughs> amazing. That I don't know how that happened, but you know, I I'm actually tearing up as I'm as I'm as I'm sharing that. I don't know how that happened, but that's amazing grace. Yeah. 
James, I have one last question while we have you here. Heidi, our producer, always reminds me to ask this, and it's a great question. What is your practice today at this stage in your life and this stage in your journey and this stage in your career? Mm -hmm. What does Jamie do when he gets up in the morning? And, and how do you cultivate this awareness that you share with us all? I mean, I know all the stuff you said, but what does your personal practice look like? Well, you know, we we didn't touch on before, we haven't touched on uh, really about the bigger state of the world. So here I am, I've been teaching about joy for a while, and my heart's been breaking for the world in, you know, for quite some time. So it's putting both of those together, the joy that's inside of us, or the well-being or the love that's inside of us, you can call it whatever name you want, and um, showing up for this crazy world that we're in and somehow putting those together. And, and for me, it comes down to getting in touch with the goodness inside, not living in uh, denial or of reality, but opening up to all the pain in the world and learning to to be with both of those or as sometimes when people say how are you and for quite a while i said well it, it i would say it depends on what lens i look at you know personally my life is amazingly blessed i look at the world and my heart breaks and also sees all the beauty, but it breaks for the, all the, the, the sorrow and what humanity is doing to this planet while holding a very positive vision of possibilities. And then on the bigger reality, I hear the Dalai Lama saying world systems come and go. And those three different lenses of gratitude, compassion and equanimity are my main practice. And I try not to stay stuck in any one lens because if I do, I can either be living in, in denial and in, in la la land of, oh yes, life is wonderful or be overwhelmed by the, the sorrow that's here or just not be engaged because of the the spaciousness of equanimity okay this is how it is and i try to just uh keep on shifting my lenses so that they're all part of my practice and what i can share with others as well as uh, hold within myself that's really beautiful james and i've heard you say that before but i'd forgotten those three perspectives to hold in mind and they are beautifully complementary and integrative in some way. And just to step back for a moment, you pointed out that in your Awakening Joy course, perhaps the most dramatic discoveries and transformations people make is from a shift in perspective or a shift in emphasis in what they're, or a shift in attitude. These are all the, all the same, a shift in the way they look at, interpret both their own experience and lives, etc. In psychology, we often call that reframing, mm -hmm. taking a different frame or perspective. And it's really the quickest psychologically transformative technique or approach that 
I think we have available. Mm -hmm. It doesn't require the weeks and months of working through and releasing pains and transforming, et cetera, et cetera. It simply shifts the perspective we take on things. And you just gave a beautiful example of that with, with your three, three perspectives on, on life, each of them true, each of them partial as every perspective is. Mm -hmm. And so to, to hold all three, the blessings of, I'll speak for myself, my individual life, this extraordinarily fortunate life that I've been given, the tragedy of the and and pain of the many threats we're facing at the moment, both socially, culturally, and globally, where the very fate of our civilization is is at stake. And yet this cosmic perspective, or metacosmic perspective that from the biggest possible perspective, worlds and world systems can't arise and pass away. Somehow there's something very profound about holding holding those three. How did you come to that, uh, that recognition? Just through trying to sort out my own, my own sorrow and my own pain. And, you know, seeing in, in Dharma practice, how the different heart practices work, you know, the, the, the four Brahma Viharas of loving kindness, compassion, joy, and equanimity, that compassion has to be balanced by equanimity. Otherwise, the heart just breaks, it's too overwhelming. But, but to have like the, uh, like the example of Kuan Yin, you know, you probably have seen the Kuan Yin and her royal relaxed posture where she's ready to spring out to respond to the cries of the world but she's very relaxed and and still and and centered in the process and you know when my heart breaks and i get immobilized that's not helping anyone how can i how can i be an agent of healing from that place of of deep despair i have to go through the despair through the grief but not get stuck there so it behooves me to process it and feel it but be uh something of a engaged uh, participant as my one teacher angelus arian a really beautiful wisdom teacher who passed away a few years ago says action absorbs anxiety and so i i need to not be stuck in my implosion but to see what can i do and to engage a little bit and just find some ways to express my caring and come from love not from despair come from love and the way i see it that i'm we are all agents of consciousness. You, Roger, I quote you very, very often. You gave me a line a number of years ago that I use to this day that we're in a race between fear and consciousness. And so my personal task, I've been so fortunate to receive the medicine of the Dharma. And so it behooves me to share that 
share what I've been given and help awaken that in others so that that rippling effect can happen. Um, and that seems to give life some meaning. Okay, we're, we're at this crucial moment as, as Terry Patton, our, our mutual friend who passed away last year, he said, if the, if the measure of a human life is to, is to make some significance, contribute something significant to humanity, then we've all hit the jackpot. We're here on planet Earth, game time, all hands are on deck. Okay, this is it. What are we going to do with it? We've hit the jackpot. We can make a difference because everything is hanging in the balance. Or as uh, Belly Rooks, another wisdom teacher who came to one of our climate days at Spirock, said, this is the moment we were born for. You know, not, ah, how did we get into this? This is the moment we were born for. Because we have the medicine. We've been fortunate enough to receive teachings and practices. And we can be agents, ambassadors of consciousness. And everybody is wa waiting, hoping, dying to wake up. And once they do, they can spread the news too. It doesn't belong to anybody. So that's kind of what gives my life meaning now. Okay, I'm going to do what I can. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I'm going to hold a positive vision. And I, you know, I do, I do hold that possibility. There's a really great book that we, we both know by Dwayne Elgin, Choosing Earth, that talks about the different possibilities from dystopia to awakening of the species. So I choose to hold that possibility. And I feel that everyone is going to wake up sooner or later, even, even the deniers as the, as the, the water level is rising up in the attic and then saying, no, there's no such thing as climate change. Yeah, there, everybody's going to wake up sooner or later. I'm going to do whatever I can to make it on the sooner side, because that will mean less suffering. I don't know when that awakening is going to happen, but I'm going to at least do my part and do it from love and do it from joy instead of despair and hopelessness, because that's what's going to be most contagious. Yeah, beautiful and and so needed. And just just to step back and look at the context of what we're what you're speaking to here, your know, your life has gone has moved through several phases of many, of course, but just to name the ones we've focused on today, your your introduction to and then subsequent teaching of of contemplative practices, primarily Buddhist your reflection on need for joy yourself and transforming that into this program, Awakening awakening Joy. And then in recent years, you, like a number of us, have become increasingly concerned about the threats to our civilization. You focus particularly on climate change and bringing a much needed but still somewhat rare perspective. If we step back and look at, if we look at the state of the world, you know, our, the power of our technology is so great that we've essentially made the face of the world into a reflection of our, the state of our minds. So our technological power is so great, we've been able to manifest 
our desires and cravings and needs and conflict, conflicts, etc. They now writ large on the planet. And what we call our global problems are actually global symptoms. They're symptoms of our individual and collective psychological and spiritual dysfunctions. And what that implies is that if we're really to heal at a very deep level, then we need to address the psychological and spiritual dysfunctions and fears and neuroses and phobias within us and between us, as well as deal us with the symptoms. Certainly, we need to feed the hungry and and work to reduce nuclear stockpiles and try to institute the changes required to reduce climate change. And that's in some ways merely symptomatic. And if we really want to work at at the deepest level, we're also going to have to work at the fundamental sources within us and between us, which they, which express their expressions of. So, and that's where your your work is. That's what you're focusing on. As yet, it's relatively rare, but it's so needed. Yeah, well, it's it's just like we were talking before about a shift of perspective. And with a shift of perspective, anything is possible. As as the Buddha said, we are what we think. With our thoughts, we make the world. So helping helping people see see who they really are and see the possibility and see how good it is to care how much better it is to care than to than to go for me 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 wow to go from as one friend says to go from me to we how obvious and how elusive that's what it's all about. That I'm remembering another favorite line of mine from Shanti Deva: "The miracle of awakening lifts us above poverty into the wealth of giving to the earth." So that 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 simple shift, which makes all the difference, above the poverty of me and what am I? What's in it for me? into the wealth of giving to life. That's that's mm. the, the wealth of giving to life. So yeah, we're all doing our part. You're clearly, you've been doing your part for some, some time now. And like I said, you've always inspired me, Roger and, uh, and John, uh, I've, I've been, I've listened to a few of the podcasts and really have, have loved, you know, what you bring to it, that that really good heart and, and, and wise mind. So we're all just doing our part. Let's <laughs> carry on. And James, do you have a sense of the direction you're being called to? I just keep on listening to the next thing. And, mm. you know, it's it, within that framework of letting life use me well just showing up to to see what the next opportunities or invitations are i'm i'm going to continue with the climate work and by the way for those who are listening i'm i'm involved with a virtual eco dharma center called one earth sangha that is fabulous lots of great great teachings and programs and practices so i'm I'm a, an advisor with with them. Climate isn't going away, so that's definitely going to continue to be a 
a big focus, but yeah, still enjoying and appreciating and being grateful for my life and expressing my care whenever I can and having that fortune to to turn people on to themselves and just keep on doing what I'm doing. <laughs> I love that phrase, turning people on to themselves. <laughs> that's that's one. how I've seen it for a long time. That's that that's basically it. <laughs> uh, and I notice I'm using the word beautiful a lot today, but yeah. beautiful. <laughs> Thank you, James. <laughs> Truly beautiful. Uh, this has been such a gift. And James, thank you so much for the work you're doing and the teachings you're, you're passing on that we have been, so many of us have been the recipients of. Without, it's amazing to think these teachings have been transmitted from person to person for two and a half thousand years. Uh, and of course, that's true of multiple traditions, but what a miracle. What a gift. So much to be thankful for. And what what a gift, as you said, to be able to pass on these these teachings and uh, do our little part in the world. And James, you're doing so much. You've brought so much joy into the world. And I think I introduced you by saying, and I think I want to repeat it, that you've probably brought more joy into the world than almost anyone else on the planet. What a gift. <laughs> Thank you so much, James. Thank you for being with us, sharing yourself, sharing your beautiful insights and ideas and practices. Mm. It's been a gift. Well, what a pleasure. So James, to be with you. helping us to fulfill our vision and what this podcast is all about. You know, you've just like done it in spades. Thank you so much. So happy to spend some time with you both. Keep up the beautiful work and may it be a source of joy for you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and a source of joy for those who listen. James, thanks so much. Thanks. Today's episode was brought to you by iAwake Technologies. Visit the Deep Transformation website to find out more about iAwake's audio tools designed to wake us up, grow us up as a part of our daily deep transformational practice. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Deep Transformation podcast, and we greatly appreciate your comments, suggestions, and questions. Thank you for all you are and all you do. From John, Roger, and the Deep Transformation team.